chance, one life, one take. Hello and welcome to the Dead Funny, Dead Serious podcast. This is the 30 End of Life Doulas and 30 Day Series. Today we meet Nick Marone. He joins us from New York City and his business is I Bid You a Doula. Welcome, Nick. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So we are going to dive right in and start with your why. Why did you join the field of End of Life Doula? It goes back, I feel like the why is I've always been curious. That kind of sums up everything. I've always had questions. I've always been turning over those stones unturned. And through the series of my life, through my traumas, through my art, through my career, through the people I've met, through the experience of New York City, those curiosities all kind of connected with death. You know, discovering that death is that single experience that all of us will go through, past, present, future regardless of color, sexuality, all of that, that, that is the real connecting human experience. That is where I just found so much joy. And that is where I found all my focus, just kind of learning and being curious about all that. It's mm-hmm. true. It's one out of one. Everyone is going to not make it through this life. You know, you, you can walk down the street and be like, you're not going to make it. <laughs> you're not going to make it. <laughs> Yeah. And well, it's surprising at how many people don't think like that. Like I always tell people, I always say my services are available to anyone who may or may not die within their lifetime. And almost every single person says, hmm, well, I don't know anybody, but if I do, I'll send them your way. (laughs) It's always like we're missing the picture here, you know, but those are who I'm trying to get to those people that aren't quite seeing the the fact of it, that one-to-one, like you said. Yeah, that's really philosophical. You are kind of touching on the Ernest Becker piece of the denial of death, which is just, Mm. you know, a whole different episode because it does go into that really meta phase of just denying that we're going to die and just keep going, (laughs) just keep going. Doesn't You can't even intake that lovely joke kind of comment that you have and people are just like, "Mm, nope, not me. (laughs) Yeah, so easy, so quick. All of them, a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I think of somebody that's going to die, then we'll call Nick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. I'll take it. Would you like to share anything about your big family? I think that's a really important piece. Yeah, absolutely. So my family's huge. That's been like a huge foundational part of myself. I come from a mixed family blended. Um, There's four adults, there's eight children split between two houses. And it was chaos, just naturally, it was chaos. So I kind of found my way as the family secret keeper, you know, the peacekeeper, the one that everybody kind of came to with issues. And I loved doing it. I I had no problem. That was a, a real easy way for me to express love. And what happened with that was with all that chaos and with all those secrets and with the, you know, very, very real truth that we will all die, I couldn't help but think about their deathbeds. That was my biggest fear as a kid. It wasn't horror movies. It wasn't monsters or ghosts or aliens or anything like that. It was thinking that all this business that I was holding in my heart for these people would never be settled and that there would be this definite experience of death and that they couldn't be settled after that in a way. So for me, getting my family clear about their death and dying, I've been doing it since I was like eight years old. Again, with that curiosity, just questions and questions and questions and questions. And I, excuse me, (laughs) I got excited, but I know sometimes they are like, Nicholas, calm down, but I can't help it. It, it, It's, 
healing for me to think about these things, to dive in, to find where I stand and to, you know, the word confront, I never want to confront anybody directly with their fears. But for me personally, I want to take my stuff on. I want to let it out in the open and I want my loved ones to know exactly where I stand and vice versa. So that's where I've kind of come to it with them. That's where it all kind of budded, that curiosity, just holding all those secrets. The secret keeper. I love that you use that language because it's poignant. And I have one sibling, um, a brother, that he he has such high death anxiety that he won't talk about this at all. And so he mm-hmm. is hate he hates what I do. He thinks this is stupid. He respects me and he won't ever watch this. So it does not matter. He is not going to listen to this. <laughs> my parents and my family is all medical. So they like know about this stuff, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, but get that last little piece of info in there, you know, and really integrating that idea of death into your behavior and your system and your spirit and your body. I think it totally changes your quality of life. Totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For the people that can internalize it and can have that conversation uh, yeah. and that are just avoiding it and, and not actually fear. It's so useful if we can kind of plant those seeds and have that conversation. It helps the ones that continue and other family members and generations to come. So you're doing great work. Thank you. I appreciate it. You too. Oh, thank you. Uh, On that note, uh, we are going to go over to how, so we know what brought you here. How did you go from I'm comfortable with the conversation to I am an end of life doula? Well, it was kind of piecing together that all of my history fit into this work. I, um, you know, I studied theater. That's why I came to New York. And these ideas of really deep listening, of power and silence and stillness, of emotional capacity, I loved it. It was so good for my soul, you know, as well as my artistry. But that all just kind of translated into this work. Part of how I got here, too, was my first experience of a great death. You know, my grandfather died over a decade of Parkinson's, and that was a whole thing to experience and watch. But my grandmother, who I really, really was close to and loved, she was hit by a car in fall of 2019. I mean, it was like here, happy, healthy, and then gone. And right after that, I had helped my mother through the process. I went back home to Georgia and was just there for her emotionally and logistically on the phone with lawyers and getting signatures and feeling, you know, tough when I needed to, and then very soft when I needed to, when she needed to cry. And I had no idea I was doing, I had no idea I was doing the work and it just felt so good. And it wasn't until after COVID that I met a random stranger and she showed me a video of a Lua Arthur, a refinery 29 video about a death doula. And it was just like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. There's me. Yep. 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 And after the video was done, I looked at her and I said, you know, I've been called to do that work for a very, very long time. And it wasn't until after like a month and a half of keeping the secret to myself and researching and signing up for the classes and reading some books that I was like, wait a minute, I have never been called to this work. You know, I have never been called to work with dying people. But something in me was so aligned and so natural that it just came together. And I think I think that can be said for a lot of people, like you that trust that jumping into this work, things will come together. It's very much about life. So it very much needs all of your experience and your history to go into it. That Alua Arthur video has opened up the eyes of multiple people now that I know. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think it's because she's really into life. You know, she's really into the joys, the grief, the sparkles and rainbows, she'll say, but also the death. It's all of it. I, this experience is huge living. So we've got to embrace it all because it goes quick. I'm learning that it goes so quick. Absolutely. And we are complicated. Yes. And everyone wants to label it and put it in this one spot. Oh, you're, you're this, you're sad, you're happy, you're grieving, you're not grieving. Nah, I'm both. I'm all of it. I'm complicated and interesting. and <laughs> Exactly. And you can be <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all therapy is, is Boom. <laughs> helping people recognize that they are more than one thing. If they're sad, that's okay. And then they can be happy too. Yes. And it's complicated and confusing and amazing at the same time. Yeah, that's part of it too. Like when people ask what I do and they say it's morbid, uh, it's like, it's just such a, a small fraction of what the work may feel like. There's so much joy and laughter in talking about life and reflecting and figuring out how you want to be remembered. All of it. Beauty. I do a death cafe here in Seattle and I have for three years and also grief group facilitation. And we laugh <laughs> in all of those. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we're also very sad and there are hard moments in both of them and people are vulnerable, but the exactly. laughter stands out as these moments of brightness and joy and making it okay and safe because there's the moments. Yeah. That idea of breaking through a breakdown is something that stuck with me. And I feel like that's it. Laughter through those tears, you know, coming out. Yes. Breaking through a breakdown, Break a breakthrough and a breakdown. But um, I, the, the actual phrase I've heard is you have to have a breakdown before you have the breakthrough. But I think it's the breakthrough comes through, you know, it comes to that sad time. Ooh, I mm -hmm. like that. I, I'm sure I've heard it before, but it just seems poignant in this moment. <laughs> Good for us. <laughs> Exciting. So you said you took some classes and you read some books. Uh, are you up for saying what classes you took? Uh, well, Alua's course, the death doula training course, definitely, as well as the business course afterwards. Um, and to be honest, that was like my first dive into this at all. I feel like I really jumped off a cliff into an ocean. And now I'm sitting here swimming like, oh my gosh, where do I get to go? But those classes were so good. One about exposing you to the possibilities of this work and how vast this work can be. And then as we got into the business courses, we got to really understand that this work gets to be our joy as death doulas um, or any end of life care companion. You know, in order to make this our business, we have to take care of ourselves. And all of this stuff gets to come from a place uh, that brings us inner peace as well. I don't think there's any part of, you know, death care that I'm going to have to touch that I don't want to touch. Do you know what I mean? It, it really gets to be your own exploration because it is just so vast and to be honest i'm really interested in the young healthy people <laughs> you know people my age running around not thinking about it and statistically just for fun is the ones that have the most death anxiety yeah absolutely yeah. also there's a great book i want to throw in die wise by stephen jenkinson that was like you know uh, the, I was going to say the Bible, but you know, <laughs> whatever. It was just a huge learning experience in that, reading that as a healthy young person. Thank you for sharing those resources that you found helpful. I would like to touch on challenges. And also, if you don't mind kind of talking about being male in this field. Yeah, well... 
yes, there's tons of challenges. I feel like we about clients and experience and stuff that I'm not too worried about. You know, I really love the conversation and I can get experience with that anywhere. And I believe the clients will come as they need to. I'm, re I'm really not worried. So I guess specifically where I find this challenge is, um, you know, really having an effective conversation, you know, getting somebody hooked into the convo and then navigating their boundaries or anxieties and fears, figuring out where to maybe plant a seed about death and dying, and then shutting up. Like there's a huge lesson in just shutting up and leaving it alone for me. And particularly, I guess with men, you know, uh, I find women are more open to the conversation. I, I think it's just a little bit more ethereal. Is that what I'm thinking of? I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of all over um, yeah. as a woman's process kind of is. Whereas I experience as a man, I feel like it's a little bit more on or off. You know, I either really can nail in a conversation and a man will really, really want to talk or it's kind of, you know, whatever and goes right over the head. And then especially as a man coming to this work, uh, you know, I, I am a gay man. And I think that experience has kind of opened my perception a little bit more than some of my straight counterparts. You know, everybody's an individual, whatever here. But it, it is interesting coming to this work because I find a lot of people in this field are very soft and receptive and really uh, good at just taking in energy where I come in here a little bit like a firecracker, you know, and I'm, hey, everybody, and I want to know how you died. And I'm, la, 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 la. And again, sometimes I have to like, whoa, calm down where I feel like I'm either on, <laughs> you know, or I'm off as a man. So it's, it's an interesting balance to come into this work with. And it's interesting to feel like an other in a field that's already kind of like full of others. I mean, I love us all. I think all of us death doulas are amazing, but especially to be like a rare um, male in this field is, I don't know, interesting. It is interesting. And I'm, I'm watching as I was asking, Hey, um, who wants to be on this, on these shows? And I've had two men out of 30. Hmm. Why does that, why is that standing out? Why is this? Yeah. I wonder if it's also about women giving birth, you know, being a little bit closer to that threshold of existence that men just never get to. We, we don't, you know, it's just not biologically in our process, but I think maybe women understanding how precious life can be, especially growing inside you, or even at that moment of birth. I, I don't know. I think that would open a lot of men's eyes if they were to go through a woman's journey in that sense. Yes. I don't know if we want that or need that, but <laughs> yeah. here we are. Okay. So I'm going to touch back real quick. I am surprised by your response to, you know, that the clients will be there. Oh, yeah, there's kind of an inner trust in myself that when the time comes, the time will come. And that's also something I'm not used to feeling until I got into this death care world. I had a lot of anxieties and a lot of craziness and a lot of productivity, you know, blah, 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 go, 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 go. And this work has just kind of slowed me down and calmed me down and allowed me to trust myself that things will come as they will come. And I feel like it's just something I can't force either. I can't grab you to get your attention and get you to work with me. Like I almost have to build a life that is attractive and makes you believe I can walk with you in those unknowns in that great mystery of the dying process, you know? So I I'm kind of taking all this time to re-engage my life and looking at all of my processing systems and how I operate and it's taking time. And I'm allowing myself to have some time. So I just feel, I don't know, there's just something that I know that when the time's right, those clients will come in. And 
I'm talking to a lot of people, <laughs> you know, like I'm not worried about networking or I don't know. I just, somebody will know somebody that's going to die sometime in their lifetime that may need help. So we'll see. And I've had a few bites already and it's nice. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust that you're, you're doing the work and you're reaching out and sharing your story and sharing your ability to hold that space for other people where they do know that you're the one that holds that space and they will come to you. Uh, and yeah. You'll build your confidence at the same time and your skills and your everything. And it does take time. And, and I've really enjoyed hearing some of the newer end of life duelists repeating that and, and saying that it's a slower process than you think it is, but so is death. Yeah. Yeah. We're slowly dying. I'm, I'm dying a little bit today. And so is everyone. They won't admit it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it's even hard to stomach sometimes, even when you know it. it's like, oh, Ooh, it can, on a bad day, it can turn you upside down, but yes, it's much needed. Yeah. You know, just having that slower response to that, this is a kind of a warming up process and planting seed is my favorite idea for end of life work. Because like you said, like you can't force it. Literally, if you plant a seed, you have to leave it there. Yes, 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 yes. If you fuck with it, it will die. (laughs) Yeah, there's a great quote that says nature never hurries and yet everything gets done. (laughs) You know, that's something I've been holding on to. It's like, you just got to stop. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at my garden right now. I can't go fuck with that shit. Yeah, it won't. won't. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of planting things too, that that other quote, what's the quote about you got to plant trees uh, whose shade you won't sit underneath. I feel like that. I feel like even if I was major monster successful in this field, you know, really able to reach a bunch of people even by the end of my lifetime, I don't expect it to be all different. I don't expect it to be all changed. I still expect people to be struggling with this. And I really just want to shift as much as I can on my journey here. I don't expect to see the celebratory end goal. And that's okay. That's part of it too. Not to mention too, like not to take for granted that some people just hear that we're death doulas and they're like, what? You know what I mean? And they want to jump on it and they want to jump right in. I love when you get to meet somebody who you don't even have to do anything to get them thinking about it or, you know, I love that kind of stuff. They're out there too. Things are changing. Some guy at Trader Joe's asked me what I was doing. I said, recording a podcast and he's like, what's it about? And I was like, he's like, oh, you don't have to tell me. (laughs) I was kind of like, I can tell you, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. If they get a blank face on them afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of. I was like a yeah. death doula, and he was like, "What?" Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <that> yeah. <laughs> I know everybody's got a reaction, even if it's nothing. Everybody's got a reaction. Yeah, this was it. Was like intrigued and like so concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. I love that moment. I know it well. Right. Uh, I say I'm a thanatologist, and most of it is just like, "What? What is that?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I explain it and they still are like, I still don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You can't win them all. So my final and favorite question is, what are your hopes for the field of end-of-life doulas and your business? For the field, it might have been said, but I'd love if the field disappeared. You know, that would be like an end goal. If I was an old man and being a death doula was like unheard of because everybody took care of their families or felt confident, you know, that would be like a dream come true. And as far as like my personal goals, 
there's, I get little visions, right? Like in the short term, I just want to be riding around the city, you know, checking in on people, meeting my clients, having somebody send me around. I'd love to just be, I don't know, a little independent lone wolf running out there helping people with death. And as I get older, again, combining with these visions that maybe aren't even in my planned goals, but just kind of keep coming up. I've always had the idea of having a bed and breakfast at the beach. I'm not really a beach person, but something has always called me to kind of do that. And if I could offer like a really beautiful home for people to come and and have their passing experience in, like, oh, it's giving me chills talking about it. <laughs> you know, so maybe that is the goal. But I just think having a place, an environment that really reflected the kind of serenity and calmness and welcoming of death that I would want people to feel in their hearts. I think that would be really cool having a, a real, real space. Yeah. Aside from me doing the work, something about that. I love having a little space for people to do that. Literally holding the space. I have literally. space. Literally. Yeah, literally. Very good. I love that. Yes. <laughs> and really fascinating that you are not a beach person, but that is the vision that is coming up for you. And it even gives you a, a feeling as you're thinking about it, which is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the vastness of the ocean, I, that, that idea of unknown and mystery and all of that, I think just plays so nicely in death. You know, there, there's also a great poem, what the, like the man in the bottom of the sea, you know, nobody will know the depths of the man or the bottom of the sea and its treasures and stuff like that. I just, there's something about that that's in there. Wow. Deep. Mm -hmm. Literally. <laughs> deep, like the ocean. Uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing all of your, your journey, your journey from thank how you. you did this, why you did this and the challenges and the hopes. They're amazing and beautiful. So. Oh, thank you. I had a great time. This is wonderful. I'm really um, appreciative for you doing this work. We need our gatherers and our collectors and our tellers of stories. And I feel like you're doing that beautifully. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I well, we're just going to live on that. <laughs> Again, it's Nick Marone. And can you tell people where to find you? Yeah, sure. On social media, you can find me at I bid you Adula. And my website as well is I bid you Adula.com. And Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. Instagram as well. I'm on Instagram, period. <laughs> I'm, I'm there for now. I'm working on other social medias like we talked about, but Instagram is where you can find me. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. Thanks. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much.